0: Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I'm your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're having a really important conversation about parents and parenting in the 21st century. Uh, You've got some specific advice, but the way we want to set it up is actually with sort of a hilarious thing that happened uh, several years ago to you as you were coming out of,
1: or I think going into a training at a school here locally in Georgia. That's right. I met this uh, mom in a lobby. We knew each other. Okay. And her eyes got big as she saw me come in because we knew each other and because she knew I would probably be evaluating the very reason she was there. I, I really am not a judgmental person, but yeah. she just... She knew you enough to know. That's right. Yeah. I've I'm been caught. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Andrew, I've said this many times. I believe we not only have a new generation of kids today, Generation Z and the Alpha Generation, we have a whole new generation of moms and dads that yep. feel the pressure to be the super mom, super dad, perfect in all of our ways to make sure our kids aren't seeing a therapist when they're 30 because we did everything right. Yep. Well, this mom saw me and we began to talk. And when I asked her why she was there, <laughs> she said, I know I probably shouldn't be here, but she was, you know, rescuing her child by bringing yeah, either gym shorts or a backpack. You Something know, like that. Yeah. But this mom, Andrew, I don't know if you know all of this, but uh, this mom is so overfunctioning. Can I say that today? And I, think I mean that's this, the right term. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she will finish the homework for her teens oh my god so if they don't get it done she'll finish it because uh, she doesn't want them to turn in something incomplete yeah uh, number 2 she will she still lays out their clothes uh, before each day begins which is insane you'd yeah. think most teenagers wouldn't want their mom I, I, to lay Yeah out exactly their clothes, that's right yeah well i think that's why she's insistent because they are teenagers yeah uh, 3 she will spy on her kids with binoculars on occasion to ensure they're safe, that's so once in a while she'll just sneak it, and and she'll let them know later, so they they don't know what day she might be watching. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, she serves them a Starbucks as she picks them up from school each day, so she makes that run. And wow, who knows, knows how their much order she and spends whatever. each year? Yeah, yeah that's right. Insane. Um, she won't allow them to attend a college that's more than an hour away, so they have a choice, but it's these three, you know, not wow. these thirty. Wow. And then finally, she won't allow her kids to go for more than two hours without checking in. Now, these are all well-intentioned leadership decisions she's made. Um, We're trying so hard to be good parents. Uh, You that are listening, if you're a mom or dad, you agree. We're trying to be good parents. But as we define the quality of our parenting, I think we judge ourselves by our inputs, not our outcomes. Yeah, yeah. Here's all the things I'm doing. Yep. Good Lord, this, I must be a fantastic mom. Yeah. Whereas inputs should not be what we're judging. Absolutely. Activity does not equal accomplishment. Yeah. Um, the outcomes of what we need to be looking at, far too often, we see a kid that's been nurtured like this. Isn't that the truth? They are so not ready yeah. when
0: it's time to be ready. And their parents are
1: flabbergasted, right? Yeah. I did yeah. all the right things.
0: How did yeah. they end
1: up this way? And it's like, well, it might have been that we were more focused on inputs than outcomes. Yeah, no doubt. So I spoke to a clinical psychologist recently after what she would call an arduous day with clients. Her name's Helen. Um, Helen's a counselor who sees families for therapy every day. Okay. And pretty much a full load. Um, She revealed to me a tool that was so simple, I asked her to repeat it. It She said, this is what I'm telling you. I must have heard wrong. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Because she's telling the parents, this is what you ought to do. This is what you ought to do. Oh, for your situation, this is what you ought to do. And it seemed to be the same advice. Okay. Like over and over and over. Now she called it a secret, because so few parents know it or apply it, but it's in within the reach of everybody. Mm. Um, in fact, Helen told me if her clients practiced it, it would resolve most of the problems she addresses in her counseling. Wow. Now, that's enough to for make, make me perk up, raise my eyebrows and go, what is that secret I'd like yeah. to... Uh, Put that to work. I I think I'm
0: guessing that the secret has nothing to do with bringing your kids Starbucks or finishing their homework or (laughs) any of those other things we've talked about. It's not
1: switching from Starbucks to Dunkin' Donuts. That is not the secret. (laughs) Um, In fact, for her, for this mom, it would be doing less but Mm. doing one thing really, really, really well. Mm. Uh, So, Andrew, go with me on this. Imagine if there was a simple act you could perform with children that would result in better mental health. That's huge. Stronger physical health. Yeah. Higher self-esteem less risky behavior, improved academic performance, increased communication skills, and higher quality relationship between the parent and the child. That sounds pretty good. So after looking at the research, I agree with Helen. Yeah. So what's the secret? Well, 20 years of research by Anne Fischel, a professor of psychology at Harvard University, has demonstrated the evidence for this secret. The secret is both simple and challenging. Here it is. <laughs> Regular family meals. Wow. yeah. regular family meals. It's the most maybe the most simplistic answer
0: that you could have imagined. and yet you're right. It is both simple and challenging.
1: Yeah, and it's challenging, particularly in our day because first of all, if we did it as much as my mom and dad did it with us, kids, there were three. I had two two siblings. Uh, we didn't have, and I'm not saying this is the whole answer, but we didn't have some of the same struggles. I think we're so busy today doing everything else, we miss this, and maybe some of the problems that we're facing, the physical and mental health problems, would be resolved if we did do this. Yeah. So it's amazing. So I know, listeners, you're thinking, seriously, eating yeah. food together <laughs> yeah. is the answer? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Um, I I believe that f- food is not the issue, although food always helps me. Food does help yes, me Yes, it yeah. helps mm-hmm. me immensely. Yeah. Uh, Sitting down on a consistent basis and eating together achieves these results. So let me quote now from a different doctor, Dr. Leonard Sachs. I've enjoyed reading two of his books. They're fabulous. He's a family physician, a psychiatrist, actually, uh, and author of The Collapse of Parenting. And here's what he says. Research shows that having a family meal at home with no distractions is important every day. Not doing this indicates that time spent at home with parents is the least important priority. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So when we eat together, it demonstrates the family is a priority. Yep. In fact, our highest priority, uh, Anne Fishel, back back to Anne Fishel at Harvard, agrees with with Helen. She says, so many of the things I try to do in family therapy actually get accomplished by regular dinners. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. If you don't mind, I'd like to just offer our listeners, Andrew, just some simple steps that um, my wife and I use okay. that were helpful for us because I followed my parents' example, which was really good. My mom and dad, it was regular meals together. Once in a while, we had something going on, but it was an exception rather than the rule. Yep. Uh, we were allowed one extracurricular activity per semester, and that's exactly what we did as we raised our children. Not 17 things going on because...
0: That, and that's a significant accomplishment
1: because there's a lot going on. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, between soccer practice and violin lessons and then karate and everything else, we're we're zipping around in a minivan getting chicken nuggets and panting because we can't seem to get it all in. Yeah. So here would be some steps that that we did that works. I, I'm an empirical... I'm empirical evidence that these work. Number one... Um, Leonard Sachs already said this, but remove distractions. So the the mealtime should be a time to turn all the phones off or put them in a basket. I know some families that have a little wicker basket and everybody puts their phone in at six o'clock when it's time for dinner. That's cool. That's good. So they're on silent and they're in that basket because you're going to be thinking about them if you have it in front of you. Uh, And the TV is off as well. All media intrusions or notifications are off. At our house, as I mentioned, we tried to turn um, everything off except conversation. That was our big role. Everything's off except for conversation. And it's just so different in our day today.
0: Yeah. There are so many more distractions, so many more easy ways to get distracted. We have twice as many devices and twice as many notifications.
1: Yeah, it's true. All right. The second little ingredient in this recipe, no pun intended there about family meals, (laughs) uh, be informal. So if you're listening, you go, okay, I think I'll put a plan together and it's going to be really awesome. And you start organizing the heck out of it, that that can work against you. So family meals should feel fun and lively. Um, Even though parents should be proactive to plan them, there should be full of spontaneity, I think. This is my opinion, but it seemed to work for us. In fact... This will not shock our teammates here in the room. <laughs> I often had a bad dad joke ready to go, yep. and we'd laugh at all the funny things that occurred during the day. In fact, sometimes we'd just say, okay, what funny thing happened today? Yep. That's, that's my fatherhood right there. Yep. But I felt like it just disarmed everybody, and we were laughing about stuff. And maybe if we were stressed out early about a bad grade, it didn't seem to matter when we were laughing. It yeah. just helped ease the pain. It
0: adds a little levity to the day. Yeah. yeah. No
1: matter what the age. Yeah, that's cool. The third ingredient is tell stories. So I don't know, listeners, how well you feel like you do at telling stories. But um, I found when I told a story, my kids were engaged, no matter what their age. Teenager, middle school, elementary school. Um, So have one ready. But don't overprogram your time. Stories paint images, they engage kids, and they don't feel like a can talk. Yeah. But make sure it just feels like in fact, stumble through the story. That's what I would do. Because yeah. I'm, oh, I forgot to tell you. He had blue jeans on or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, that just paints the clearer picture. And I yeah. just believe pictures beat lectures every day. Yeah. And I do have some lectures. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, and you've also got lists, but just
0: acknowledging that yeah. my kids don't need three points for the yeah, day. That's what right. they need is, you know, maybe something a
1: little more. That's right. Light and fun. And maybe there's one big idea we talk about. Absolutely. Here's another one. Fourth ingredient, seek cooperation. So here's what I mean by this. If you have a child that doesn't really get into this, and you probably will when they become teenagers, um, ask him or her to help you prepare. Help help you prepare the meal, perhaps, or help you prepare for the family conversation. Maybe there's a good question, but um, it's like we talked about in another podcast, Andrew. Once you enlist the kids, yeah. to do some of the leading, suddenly they're on board. They're not they're not engaging in antisocial behavior. They're engaging in social behavior. Yeah. Uh, one survey reveals that helping with dinner is correlated with good feelings in kids. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. When they row the boat they don't have as much time to rock the boat. That's just a good phrase. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yep. All right, next ingredient. Um manage conflict. So I found even with I we have two kids that are great and they're grown adults now, but conflict does happen because we there were four humans yep. at this table. There's no every way for night. it not to happen. That's right. So, um Conflict is inevitable. I would say be firm on principles and values. So know the handful of principles that guide your family and the values of this conversation you're about to have, but never put a wall between relationships. Uh, one thing Reggie Joyner taught me years ago, relationships trump rules mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, You need rules, but don't make the rules stand in the way. That's kind of pharisaical, if you ask me, and I, I just don't think yeah. that's, that's wise. So create hand signals. Uh, to remind kids of the rules so you don't need to call them out. and little chew them out. Things, yeah. Yeah, just a little hand signal, you know, okay, we're getting back <laughs> to the subject now. I just gave a hand signal. You couldn't see it, listeners, but I just gave it. It happened, out. I promise. That's right, yes. Um, I would say in here, insert humor to lighten the mood. That was so probably difficult look, for you, right? It was very hard, but I, I came up with another bad dad joke. Uh, put on music, create an atmosphere. Oh, Sometimes yeah. we would have music. That's great. Sometimes I would show a clip. From a movie, and we would watch that. I know that doesn't shock you either. Um, but yeah, that was... That's awesome. It just worked. It just yeah. worked. Um, the last one I would, I would give you is process life. Mm. So I felt like I was a informal educator at dinner. I was their dad, but I was an informal educator. But I wanted to process life. So I wasn't going to be a math tutor or a science tutor that might come up. Yeah. But I wanted them just to understand life better. In fact, Andrew, you've heard me say over and over, we talked about emotional intelligence when they were like 12 and eight years old, Yeah, and they were learning about this term. Um, We always use mealtimes to debrief the day and to learn from it. Mm -hmm. We talk about forgiveness, listening, managing emotions, resolving conflict, you name it. And almost always, someday something happened with some peer at school. Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah, let's process. What could you have done? Yeah, Yeah, that's great. So if a moment gets tense, just remember, even a short meal together is better than no meal at all. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, we're done. Bye. See yes. ya. You know, I got to rush out to that's go right. do something. That's yep. right. Yeah. So uh, we just felt like that was really, really uh, key. Now, I would say this, listeners, while most people probably would agree with the ideas I just shared, we often neglect them because we've jumped onto a hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. We're just spinning and spinning and spinning, and it's rehearsals and practices and games and recitals and competitions. And I think that rushing about together is not the same thing as pausing, eating, and interacting. So yeah, you might have to have a rush meal sometime, but don't make sure that not all the meals are rushed. I just think that's key. In some ways, you talked at the beginning about
0: priorities, right? Ultimately, the reason we don't make time for this is because we haven't prioritized it, right? Yeah. So one of the maybe activities that would be good for parents listening to do is to sit down and think about, okay, if there are a lot of practices and rehearsals and all those things that are getting in the way, what is it about those things that I think is such a high priority? Yeah, you know yes. what's driving that? Yeah. Is it is it my kids want to do all of that and I'm I don't have the ability to say no to them? Yeah, is it I feel like uh, if they don't do that, they're not going to succeed in life and so i'm I'm getting concerned about that. And I would say what you'd find is if you actually wrote down what the real true priority is there, yeah, that I think that you would find yourself realizing that whatever that is, there is nothing higher than the emotional intelligence, than the connection time, yeah. and all the other things that are
1: going to happen during a really key family meal like that. It's this. very true. Yeah. At one point early in our children's lives, my wife and I came up with four core values for our family, and four of our family meals, we did this more than once, we're going over those family values. I love them. And one of them's honesty. Mm. Uh, we were going to be honest with each other. Uh, my wife would say, "Trust is a currency in our home. Yeah. You can lose it, or you can make it." Um, and our kids, they—I mean—they just remember what Bob would say about that. And I'm yeah. proud of my mo- my mom, my wife, <laughs> for saying that to our kids. Because I tell you what, they got in, into some uh, tough times in their high school years, and they would quickly tell mom or dad, "This is what happened." I thought, boy, I don't know if I would have told my dad that quickly. Yeah, but honesty was just a big deal for our children. That's huge. So it That's was huge. Yeah. So let me wrap it up by just talking about real quick about, uh, quickly about my kids as an illustration and then my parents as an illustration. That'd be great. So the dinner topics I most recall as my children were were growing up were planning vacations. We'd actually talk about planning the that. vacation Have together. something to look forward to. Yeah, that's right. Uh, celebrating each other. So birthdays or just, oh my gosh, Bethany just made straight A's or whatever. You know, that okay. sort of thing happened. And discussing big news stories where our kids mostly... Overheard their mother and father uh, talking.
0: Yeah, especially when they were
1: younger. That's right. Yeah, but I remember talking about Dr. King one January. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it was um, it was his birthday. In fact, that was our dinner that night, and I remember just crying. Mm-hmm. And I did not plan this. I just but my both my kids look back and go, "I remember Dad, you crying at dinner," and I thought. Oh my gosh, this is a big deal. You yeah. know, and, and What's they, were going on? Yeah. they were very young. Yeah. Uh, probably fifth grade and, and, and second grade or something like that. But yeah, those kinds of moments happen when you get ready for them, I think. Mm. So that was important for us. Now, real quick my dad, my mom and dad. I had a fantastic mom and dad. I have an undeserved advantage on life. I think I had the best mother in the world. She made growing up fun. And my dad led by principles. But um, I was talking to my dad 30 years ago, so I was 30 and he was 60, but I remember he would say this over and over and over, the problem with our country today is we're not eating supper together. Huh. This very thing we're talking about today that's been backed up by Harvard and Dr. Leonard Sachs and so forth, but um, here's what he was saying. If we would just do this act together on a regular basis it would probably make all the difference in the world and the and the families i knew that didn't do it usually had trouble mm. the families that did do it less trouble yeah. i just think the the proof And now, now we've got
0: research to back that That's up. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and
1: the proof is in the pudding once again. No pun intended.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, one of the things i wanted to talk to folks about and i want to come actually back to you Tim is because one of the resources that we encourage parents a lot to use around the dinner table if they want to yeah. turn that that uh, regular conversation about your day into a time where we talk about a principle or a life skill or whatever it is, is actually our tool, Habitudes. And the reason we think of that is actually Habitudes were birthed around your dinner table when your kids were growing up. So I wonder if you just might talk about how that happened. And then I want to tell people about that
1: resource. Yeah, so some of you are familiar with Habitudes. It's a funny word to others of you. Habitudes are images that form leadership habits and attitudes. I knew we wanted to have conversations about these important topics like honesty or discipline or character or responsibility or initiative. But I started finding that the story and a picture, a story and a picture were the ones that gripped my children. Yeah. So I actually developed Habitudes. We had dinner conversations, not every night, but once a week. Uh, We kind of had a Habitudes night. That's great. And it really began to stick. Uh, In fact, my kids got them before they were published. You know, that was what was happening. That's awesome. So yeah, I do. uh, This isn't a sales pitch listeners, I promise you. But if that sounds like something that could be helpful for you to pictures are worth a thousand words. Pick up one of the Nine Habitudes books and maybe start some conversations. I love that.
0: I love that. Well, it's more, it's less uh, uh, us telling them what to do, and more just acknowledging. You and I come up with content all the time. That may be <laughs> yeah. hard for people who have, yeah. you know, day jobs with a lot of stuff going on. So, if you're looking yes. for a resource, yeah. uh, we would just commend this to you. So, if you want to find out more about Habitudes, pick up one of the, as Tim said, there are nine different Habitudes books. Um, you can head on over to GrowingLeaders.com/Habitudes. Uh, or, in fact, you can go straight to our store and actually buy them as a as a book as well. Uh, so. That's growingleaders.com. Uh, you can head to the store and buy them as a book. Uh, we'd probably recommend Habitudes for Self-Leadership is a great yeah, place to the start. First
1: book, Habitudes for Self-Leadership. Or if your kids are in transition, Habitudes for the Journey. Yeah, that's a great
0: a one. That's a great one. Both of those two are, would be really great. So again, head on over to growingleaders.com. Click on store. You can find out more uh, about that uh, resource. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, we would greatly appreciate it. If you found this helpful, perhaps you know of another parent or you're thinking of your spouse, uh, pass this uh, podcast along to them. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, maybe uh, subjects you think we should cover, people you think we should interview, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. Dot com. We love getting those from you. Tim, thank you so much for giving us that practical parenting advice. Guys, go on out there and have a great family dinner time uh, together tonight. We'll see you next time.